listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Man Box. I am Rick Fry. And I am Clint Young. And we are brought to you by Oneness Ministries. Contact us at oneness-ministries.org. If you would like to support this podcast, I always do that. (laughs) Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) If you would like to support this podcast, also go to our website and click on the podcast tab, and you'll see a place where you can support us. There's also a link to Facebook, Instagram, and Instagram, and Twitter, where you can comment on how great this show is. Yeah, we always say that. We always do. Do we get comments? Yeah, sometimes. (laughs) Sometimes. We're also brought to you by Veribus. Veribus is an online therapy and coaching platform for veterans, first responders, and their spouses. That is provided by veterans, first responders, and spouses. Please go to www.veribus.life or contact them at 405 Seven two six one 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 eight, Veribus. You've been there. We've been there. Sounds good. Sounds good. How are you, Clint? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good too. Been kind of an interesting day, but yeah, yeah. I uh, shoveled a whole pile of uh, compost today. I, I guess I was bored, and I just decided to go buy a trailer full and then scoop it in the rain. So, yeah, that was my morning. It was, yeah, it sounds, was fun. Are you getting ready to plant a garden? Yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do. Uh-huh. So Good for you. Well, we're going to continue on with our series, um, 52 Lies That You Hear Every Sunday in Church and Why the Truth is So Much Better. Yep. Did I get that right? It was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> by, it, Steve, it, it. by Steve McVeigh. We want to give Steve McVeigh credit. Hopefully there's nowhere that you hear all 52 <laughs> in one Sunday. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. It could happen. And we're on uh, lie 14. Lie number 14. Go ahead and start. Okay. Lie number 14 says, we need to focus on overcoming our sins. Hmm. Hmm. Never heard that that one before, have you? Why is that a lie? (laughs) Why is that a lie, Clint? (laughs) Seems like a great idea to me. (laughs) Here we go. One could easily come to the conclusion that the most important subject among believers is sin-based. Keep going. Okay. One could easily come to the conclusion that the most important subject among believers is is sin-based. I'm not even reading this right. Maybe we need to start over. Okay, let's start over. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I keep reading, reading this sentence, and then I was like, what is that noise? <laughs> All right. We are continuing in our series, 52 Lies, that you hear every Sunday in church. Actually, you hear in church every Sunday. But, <laughs> and why the truth is so much better. And today we're going to start on line number 14. And line number 14 says we need to focus on overcoming our sins. Why is that a lie? Yeah, well, I guess let's read and find out. All right. <laughs> One could easily come to the conclusion that the most important subject among believers is sin based on the widespread prop- popularity of the topic in popular Christian books, sermons, and Bible studies. 
sin management often seems to be the reason for public ministry, and it appears to be the most important goal many who follow Jesus have embraced for their lives. Overcoming sinful actions in life consumes the thoughts and energies of many sincere Christians. They are completely dedicated to stopping the wrong things they do and replacing them with actions that glorify God. Okay, let's stop right there. What is wrong with that statement? Overcoming sinful actions in life consumes the thoughts and energies of many sincere Christians. They are completely dedicated to stopping the wrong things. What is wrong with that? Well, our focus is on me. Yes. Me stopping something that, quite frankly, I can't. Right. And and I believe that the entire Old Testament is a statement about how we can't. God said, keep these commandments. And and the people continually said, we will, we will. And they couldn't. Mm Mm-hmm. That was 5,000 years of God proving that we can't do it on our own. Yeah, I agree. I've uh, been there, tried that, failed epically. (laughs) And then it says um, on the things they do and replacing them with actions that glorify God. Am I capable of glorifying God? feel like you're asking me a trick question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just say that I don't think I am. The only way that I glorify God is by reflecting Christ in me, by believing that Christ lives in me, and he's the one that makes me holy. He's the one that makes me sin free, Mm -hmm. not me. So you're, you're, you're just going deeper with the whole me thing. Yeah. I can't do it. And the reverse of that is I'm not an embarrassment to to God because Christ is in me. Yeah. He wants to do it in us. Yes. Yeah. He died for us so that we could be, so that he could re-glorify us by his actions, not mine. Yeah. He's glorified by our response yeah. to his love. And. This is probably in that chapter. I don't have the book in front of me, but John 17, I glorify myself so that they may have your glory. So I can't glorify God because I I am incapable apart from Christ. Yeah, apart from Christ, yeah. Yep. Oh man, it's it's such it's such a powerful spiritual sounding lie. I know. That That's I. I need to overcome our sins when I can't do it. I know. I I realized just reading this reminded me of how much that used to be my constant focus, and how horrible I was at I, <laughs> keeping it. <laughs> I used to keep lists. I would write down. I would at the end of the day, I would try to write down every sin I committed so that I could confess it, so that I wouldn't forget any. And it was a waste of time. And why is that a waste of time? Well, let's keep reading. and then Yeah, we'll, then yeah we'll, we're about to skip to the next chapter. Yeah, we we haven't got into this one. <laughs> oh. Okay, I got here. It says, Scripture uh, does not call us to direct our attention toward our sins, 
and exert our energy on eliminating them. In fact, this approach will not only be ineffective in reducing sinful actions, but it will also increase wrong behavior in our lifestyles. What is he quoting there? He's quoting Paul, that the law stirs up sin. Mm -hmm. The more you try to keep the law, the more you try to be better well-behaved, the more you're going to actually break that law. Mm-hmm. It's like a diet plan yeah, or a New Year's resolution. <laughs> both, both are worthless. <laughs> <laughs> There's very few people that have uh, the fleshly willpower That's to right. will themselves out of That's sin. Right. <laughs> oh. The Bible teaches that we shouldn't focus on sins at all. Instead, that we should give Jesus Christ our our undivided attention. Read that again. It says the Bible teaches that we shouldn't focus on sins at all. Why? Why would why would the Bible make that statement? Well, for one, it doesn't work. But I think I know what you're getting at. <laughs> that and Jesus took care of sin. Yes. <laughs> that the cross worked. The cross worked. All sin is forgiven. The past sins, the present sins, and the future sins. Now, we could be accused of a type of universalism here by saying that all sin are forgiven and everybody's going to go to going to go to heaven. But that's not what we're saying. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying that you accepted Christ, you became a new creature, and now all your sin is resolved. Mm-hmm. Do you still do it? Yes. As long as we are in this earth suit, mm-hmm. we are going to do th- stupid things. And we've said this in the past, the the original sin, sin definition of sin is unbelief. Right. And really any if you really boil down any bad habit, any addiction, anything, it's me trying to get my needs met apart from Christ. Yes. You know. Yep. And that can look different depending on who you are. Okay, where are we going? Let's see. I got some more stuff underlined here. It says the Apostle Paul dealt with the subject of our focus by warning the churches he established in grace not to make sins of their focus, but to look to Christ instead. To the Colossian church, he wrote, Set your mind on things above, not on the things on this earth. Oh my gosh, let's unpack that. Yeah. Set your mind on things above, which are... What would be the things above? I don't think it's talking about the stars. <laughs> not talking about the stars. Not talking about the sun or the clouds or the blue sky. Right. It's talking about Christ yeah. and our relationship to the Father provided to us by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and there's something about, and when we say we're setting our focus above, it's it's our position in Christ, mm-hmm. that we're seated with Christ. Yes. It's not saying that God's off somewhere else and not in us. We're That's saying right. that we're putting our gaze above what's on this earth. That's right. Because, I mean, we know. I mean, this is physical, right? This, like, you can, you know, we live in a physical world, but we're spiritual beings. Yes. And that's confusing to our finite little brains. And Jesus also said that in John 17. I am not of the world, even as they are not of the world. And the word world there is cosmos. 
and cosmos doesn't not only includes the earth it also includes the universe and everything in it mm-hmm. it also includes time mm-hmm. and space so god is totally outside of all of that he's outside of time and space and we're mm-hmm. confined to it mm-hmm. so we are not of this world this universe we are our our dwelling place is outside of it where god is you know you can call that heaven if you want to it's wherever God is. It's where I want to go mm-hmm. when I leave this earth suit. Right. Yeah. So we're not of this world. We are of God's nature. And yeah, try to yeah, wrap your brain around that one. Yeah. <laughs> we better take, move on. <laughs> take, take your time. <laughs> it says he warned the Roman church, the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Romans 8, 6. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. It says, trying to overcome sin by focusing on it has the exact opposite effect of what we want in our lives. If we fixate on what we do wrong and try to figure out how to conquer the bad behavior, we will always come up with the same sort of plan that involves our own willpower and determination. When that happens, it doesn't matter how sincere we might be. We are setting ourselves up to fail. Yes. That's religion, by the way, mm-hmm. is trying to accomplish what God has accomplished apart from God. Right. That's religion. It's, it leads to death because the, the wages of sin is death. And apart from God, there is no life. There is no salvation. There's only death. We talked about this last week about um, making God number one in our lives. Mm -hmm. God is our life. Mm -hmm. There is no numerical order. There is no, there's nothing beyond or apart from God's life in us. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't accomplish that. You can't manufacture that. You can't make that happen. Right. I like that you brought up religion because it just reminds me growing up being so focused on on sin and not failing and trying to do all that and I had no life I had no peace but I was looked like I was doing all the right things yes you know I was making the sacrifices I was committed you know all that stuff and it brought death. And when we read, when I first read that verse, you know, it says the mindset on the flesh brings death. You think, oh, okay, well, the mindset on going around and finding how much sin we can get into leads to death. Mm-hmm. The mindset on flesh, which could be trying to be godly flesh, it doesn't necessarily mean it can, flesh is flesh. Flesh is focus on self versus on what Christ has done. And it's just, so you can have, you can have, religious flesh that's sure. still death that's right you know and i felt that as a teenager i felt like i had death in me because of my focus it wasn't because christ wasn't with me it wasn't because i didn't have oneness with christ but i didn't know i did i didn't understand it and so my mind focus was on religion was on flesh was on fixing me mm-hmm. make me better <laughs> there's a great c.s lewis quote that says God didn't send Jesus to make bad men good. He 
sent Jesus to make dead men alive. Yeah, totally different thing. It's a totally different thing. We try to be good by meeting some sort of standard Mm -hmm. that looks like goodness, but it's still death. Mm -hmm. Apart from Christ, it's still death. Mm -hmm. The only way that that we can receive our spiritual true selves is through Christ, mm-hmm. not self-effort, right. lest any man boast. Right. Yeah, and if anybody could have <laughs> said that they had the self-effort down, mm-hmm. it would have been Paul. Yeah. He was a great religious leader. Oh, yeah. But he sucked as a Christian, <laughs> <laughs> just like the rest of us. <laughs> we He did stupid things just like we do. Oh, man says we don't have to conquer our sins. After all, Jesus Christ already defeated sin. When Amen. We, when we try to do what he has already accomplished, we are denying the sufficiency of his grace, and we're attempting to utilize a legalistic method to do it ourselves. Legalistic methods doom us to failure. Paul wrote that sinful passions were aroused by the law, Romans 7 verse 5. He warned in Corinthians to the Corinthians who are trapped in sinful behavior that the power of sin is the law. 1 Corinthians 15.56 so true. The, tr- the law is about effort. Mm-hmm. The law is about self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Now, God disciplines those whom he loves. Right? Right. That's in Hebrews. But do you know what dis- dis- discipline means? It means training. He trains us. Discipline is not caused by bad behavior. Discipline is a training method so that we can move on into our true identity, right. which is righteousness. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's what defines us. The righteousness of Christ defines us. Mm-hmm. I agree. You have something there you want to read? I mean, I have, I've got all kinds of stuff underlined. So. I'll, I'll, I'll read this next part that okay. I have. Legalistic attempts to overcome sin by self-imposed rules and self-determination are, sins, are to sins what gasoline is to flames. It won't stop them. It will only make matters worse. The only way to enjoy victory over sin is to rest in the victory that is, that is already ours because of Christ's finished work he defeated sin once for all sin is resolved Mm -hmm. if it wasn't god couldn't live in us right it's 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 an, an astounding thing for me to think that people come into my office and say um i can't overcome this sin and I go, what sin? <laughs> what sin hasn't been forgiving? forgiven? Mm-hmm. You're focused on something that has already been forgiven. You are free. Mm-hmm. We, both, we both spent a good portion of our lives sitting in a cell of legaliz- legalism, mm-hmm. thinking I am so captured by this sin behavior that I will never be effective as a Christian man or as a Christian leader. Mm -hmm. And God said, no, 
You are free. You've always been free. The moment you accepted Christ, you became free from sin. Yeah, and we're over there trying to pull the door shut because we want to, we feel safer in that cell. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's like, no, the door's open. No, shut it back. <laughs> what's what do you? What's your next? Paragraph? It says transformation comes to our lifestyle when we simply believe the reality and stop trying to do something that he's already done. Yeah. We simply rest in his victory and direct our attention to him. Amen. I'm going to skip to the next one. The law, since it has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make perfect those who draw near. He, co- he compares the law to a shadow. A shadow has no substance. It is, it is an object that blocks the light, mm-hmm. becomes the shadow. The light is Christ on us. Mm-hmm. That's our freedom. That's our salvation. And we tend to want to follow the shadow. Mm-hmm. The very thing that is, has blocked the light, mm-hmm. it has no substance. That is the law. Mm-hmm. The law no matter how many times you sacrifice something for your sin, it is never complete. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was out of Hebrews 10. You want to read the, you have the second half of it there? Yes. Otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have had consciousness of sins. Hmm. You read that again. Yeah, it's really good. That's hugely important. It is. Otherwise they would not have cons- they would have otherwise they would have ceased to be offered because the worshipers having once been cleansed, we are cleansed by the blood of Christ and the cleansing is so um, complete that it's as if those sins have never happened. Mm-hmm having once been cleansed, would no longer have had a consciousness of sin. We are not to be aware of it. Well, and it's kind of interesting. It's The Bible says that the law was brought in so we would have a consciousness of sin. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it, it's just, it's proving itself here that that way doesn't work. The law, as beautiful a document as it was, and as inspired by God as it was, was meant to point us to Christ completely. It did its job. Yes. It did its job, and that job is over. (laughs) That's right. It doesn't mean the law doesn't exist, because if you are under the law, then you are apart from Christ. You can't, the two are not compatible. Mm -hmm. The law and grace are not compatible. What have you got next? Um, kind of expounds on that, but I think I'm going to go ahead and go to the next page. Okay. Okay. This is out of Hebrews 10 as well, verses 11 and 12. It says, Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But he, parentheses Jesus, 
having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. Okay, sat down. <clears throat> when when and we've talked about this before. When God when when God gave, um, who did He give? Moses. Moses. When God <laughs> told Moses Moses to build the tabernacle, right? And there were three rooms: outer mm-hmm. court, inner court, holy of holies. Every detail was complete from the gold rings that held the curtains to the stuff on the roof and guess wasn't there nowhere to sit down (laughs) there were no chairs Mm -hmm. because the priest's work was never done and when christ finished his when christ completed the law what did he do he was seated at the right hand of the father and we are seated with him because of the completion it's interesting. There's other Bible references to when Christ completes something, like creation. He completed and he rested. Rested. Yeah. And we get to enter into that rest mm-hmm. because all the work's done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says Jesus did what no Old Testament sacrifice could do. He fully dealt with the matter of our sins so that we don't have to focus on them anymore. Then he sat down by the right hand of God, not because he was tired, but because there was nothing left to do when it comes to the matter of our sins. Amen. I got this. This is just kind of wrapping it up, but I had this underlined and highlighted. So I'm guessing that means I should read it. (laughs) It says, "The The lie that we need to focus on overcoming our sins is so very dangerous because it takes our eyes off of Jesus Christ and puts them on sins and an imaginary ability that we think we have to solve the matter of our the matter ourselves if it seems to you as though i'm minimizing sin in this chapter i ask you to consider this possibility i am not the one who is minimizing sin instead the people who teach we need to focus on overcoming our sins are the ones who minimize sins their teaching suggests that sin is so weak that it can be overcome by religious self-discipline. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> yeah, mic drop. Yeah. Wow. Jesus Christ has defeated your sins. Hear that, listener. Hear those words. Jesus Christ has defeated your sins. Let them go and focus your attention on him. There's nothing else in life so worthy of your gaze or so effective in causing you to live your life in the way God intends. And that's by focusing your attention on Christ and not your behavior. I got one other little thing. I, this, this is even more serious because it's highlighted and double underlined. Holy cow. Better read it. Yeah. It says, We don't have to tiptoe through life worried that we're going to step on a landmine of temptation and be destroyed by sin. We don't. Have you done that? Where you're just like, oh, no, I'm going to have that temptation. Am am I going to be able to withstand it? I I face it all the time. I worry about it all the time. And it's just a lie. I don't have to worry about it. We don't stop being human because we are human. And until we go to be where God is, we will continue to be human. But God help us to not worry about things that are not in our control. 
Yeah, it's like a little kid being scared of the boogie monster That's under right. the bed, and the parent's like, there's no boogie monster. You're like, yes, there is. I have be. a three-year-old, so. <laughs> her her version right now is uh, she likes to tease about it, but I know will come the time when yep. it's, daddy. But right now it's, you know, the tigers are after me and all that. Yep. The games, you know. <laughs> Read the title of this chapter one more time. The one that we just did? Yep. Okay, I should remember. I got it. it. I got it right. Okay, here. go for it. Lie, number fourteen. Mm-hmm. We need to focus on overcoming our sins. That is a lie. It is a lie, it and is it a will lie. destroy you. Your sins are forgiven, all of them, the past ones, the present ones, and the future ones. And I'm not making this up. I'm quoting Paul. Right. <laughs> yeah. This is this isn't Rick 101. No. <laughs> no. Oh man. So what an important yeah. What an important discovery to realize to realize it to connect with God in a way to know all my sins are forgiven and he loves me that much. Yeah. It's incredible that he would resolve the sin issue so he could live in me. Yeah. And soak in that one for a while. Yeah. It's good stuff life 15 life 15 it says we need to continually ask god to forgive our sins yeah this is pretty close yeah yeah they're kind of connected so um yeah we were trying our best (laughs) not (laughs) not to go ahead and just do them at the same time yeah i I think i i think we did pretty good yeah says the idea that we need to ask god to forgive our sins daily or even more often is so ingrained and taken for granted that people look at you as if you were out of your mind uh, or a heretic for even questioning it. It is considered self-evident in the modern church, but it is not what the Bible teaches. It is not what the Bible teaches. Hmm. Confessing your sins. We have two words that we live with, repent and confession. Repent is a one-time event. I repented. That's some loud thunder That's out there. Thunder. It's raining, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I repented at salvation. Repent means to change. Mm-hmm. I changed from being an unbeliever to being a son of mm-hmm. God. That was the change I made. When I repented, I left the old lifestyle and entered into the new one, a new creation. Mm-hmm. That's what repentance did. And it's one time. Confession doesn't mean that you make a list of everything you've done bad and you present that to God. Confession means you agree with God mm-hmm. that what I just did, <clears throat> excuse me, is not consistent with the change right. that I made mm-hmm. in becoming a new creation. Mm-hmm. As a new creation, all my sins were forgiven. When I do something stupid, God doesn't need me to tell him that I did it. Mm-hmm. What God likes is for me to say, what I just did is not consistent with what you've made me. Right. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That's what confession And that's not is. what brings the forgiveness. No, the forgiveness already exists. Right. Yeah. But it's the fundamental thing under that is that we believe that the forgiveness is what do they say, progressive or, or something like that? Right. Like, as you confess, then you're forgiven. And it's like, 
I'm not smart enough to remember all that. I mean, I can't even remember my, you know, birthday half the time, and, and I'm going to remember every sin. Right. I mean, if it's up to me to remember my sin. You're screwed. I might as well quit trying. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, and then you get into that the game of, okay, well, I'm, you know, I, I confess the things that I don't know or I don't remember. And Jesus is like, I took care of that. I took care of it. I took care of it. Why, why are you worried about something I took care of? Right. He resolved the sin issue. Okay. We're going to probably get totally past ourselves here. The, right. the next verse that it brings up, it says, uh, it's out of John chapter 1, verse 29. It says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John, says John the Baptist. The Lamb of God came to do what? To take away the sins of the world. Did John really believe Jesus came to do that? Do you? Did he succeed? Did Jesus succeed in taking away the sins of the world? I believe so. I believe so, too. Uh, this this kind of goes, um, this next part goes into symbolisms that were in the Old Testament and talks about the scapegoat and how that was a picture that the sins would be put on that scapegoat and then sent out into the wilderness and how that was a picture of how Jesus would take away sins once and for all because that goat was never seen again. But we have something way better than a goat running around in the wilderness. Beginning <laughs> <laughs> a prey on it. Which is Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I was like reading this next part and I was like, what did he just say? <laughs> I was like, I could answer this very wrong <laughs> depending on what he just said. <laughs> okay, read what you we're were not, reading. We're not funny, are we? No. <laughs> the next part says... Following Jesus' death and resurrection, forgiveness of our sins is announced as a done deal. Notice how Paul preached the gospel to a synagogue of people who were hearing of Christ for the first time. Let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed from through the law of Moses." Acts thirteen thirty eight through thirty nine. Freed from how many things? All, all things. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm just thinking about a Jewish person. I mean, I know my consciousness of sins, mm -hmm. but can you imagine if you had been trying to keep the law and then all the laws that they wrote around the laws so that they didn't break the laws? Your consciousness of sin would be somewhere out in the stratosphere, right? And for somebody to come in for Paul to preach this. Like you had it, you either, you had a choice. That goes way beyond any kind of paradigm shift. Yeah. Like you either believe it fully yeah. or you don't believe it. Like there's no mixed gospel like we have right now right. where it's like, oh, well, we're kind of forgiven, but then you have to confess. Like they were sitting there going, okay, either we stone this guy or we believe him. Like, right. like all of my sins are gone. All my sins are forgiven. My sins are taken away. What? And, I mean, that's what he was up against. Yeah. You know? And they tried to kill him. They tried to kill him multiple yeah. times. They yep. tried to beat him. They did lots of things. Wow. And it's true today. It's as true today as it was when the words came out of Paul's mouth. Yeah. All 
all of them are gone. Right. It says today we are united with Christ, and we are now, f- and we are totally forgiven. Not occasionally, not sometimes, not <laughs> not if we not if we do something. Forgiveness is found simply found in Him. Paul writes, "In Him we have redemption through His blood." the forgiveness of our transgressions according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1.7 He told the Colossian church, For he rescued us from the, dominion, the, from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.13-14 He just keeps saying it because mm-hmm. they're not getting it. He keeps saying it. It's gone. And it's gone. It's taken care of. And they're still not getting it. <laughs> they're still not getting it. Uh, let's read some examples from the New Testament All here. Right. Um, why would people struggle to accept it? Mainly, it's because of two objections. Uh, those who resist this good news typically raise one of their uh, one is the petition from the Lord's prayer. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Matthew 6:12. The answer to this objection is to take a look at the context of that prayer. Jesus taught this prayer before his own death and resurrection. That fact cannot be stressed too much. When we study the Bible, it's not only important to consider what was said, but who said it and when it was said. Context is everything yes. in honest biblical understanding. Mm-hmm. He taught, he taught them to pray that prayer under the law. Yeah. They were still under the law. Yeah, and then we try to use it. Mm-hmm. It says the Bible is clear that the new covenant didn't begin until the death of Jesus. Right. So when Jesus spoke these words, which covenant was he speaking under? The old covenant, of course. It's important to recognize that while Jesus was full of grace in his dealings with people, his teaching existed... Um, within the context of the Old Covenant. If we fail to recognize that fact when we read the Scriptures, we will be filled with confusion about what he said at times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he, he goes into telling a story here of a guy that was challenging him on this point and <laughs> how he asked the guy, you know, because this is taken right out of uh, Matthew 6 and, and 5 and 6 in that area where Jesus says if you look at a woman in lust you got to pluck your eyes out and he's looking at the guy he's like well you got both your eyes dude <laughs> <laughs> and we know that <laughs> you have done that in your life at some point <laughs> and he's like you still have all your eyeballs but you're uh, saying that that we have to take that um, literally and where well, we do take it literally but we have to understand the context yes. we have to understand where did the new covenant start? Because, and this was hard for me because growing up, we memorized Matthew 5 and 6, and like the, we memorized those whole chapters right. in children's church. Yes. Or whatever you wanted to call it. And it was ground into us. You know, this was God's expectation. If you, in order to be forgiven, you have to forgive. Well, I'm not that good at forgiveness. No. Because, and, and when I do forgive, it's not me forgiving. It's Holy Spirit in me doing the forgiving. Yeah. And so it wasn't till 
years later that I understood what the sermon, I was like, what was this deal? Like everybody's a sermon on the Mount, best sermon ever preached, you know, and then they go on and on. I was like, what on earth? And to understand it in the context that Jesus was raising the bar to people who thought they'd kept the law. The people really thought they had kept it. And Jesus is like, you guys might have kept some of the physical things, but I've always been about the heart. I've always been about belief, you know, and you can, not kill anybody but have anger in your heart that's the same as killing somebody and that's he kept raising the bar Mm -hmm. so that they would understand and they would come to him and say i need you i need help he was raising the bar and then we try to use it as this christian application passage yes and that's not what it was written for never never was written for that i i don't want god to forgive me the way that i forgive other people I mean that's just the honest truth (laughs) because I I mean deep doo-doo if that's the if that's the case we all are (laughs) oh man it says I believe that we should take the words of Jesus seriously enough not to not only to know what he said but also consider whom he was talking to and what he meant by what he said that's the case with the prayer that he taught these old covenant saints to pray if you resist my view of this matter, I ask you this question. Do you take the, take with equal seriousness the instance to apply the instance to apply everything he said to yourself? In the same context where Jesus taught the disciples the model prayer, he also talked about how that we should forgive others. Um if if we don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. I guess I'm kind of, I kind of already said all this. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you apply um, that one of your life, do you apply that one to your life personally? Based on that statement, anyone who remains in unforgiveness towards someone else is not forgiven by God at that very moment. They would be in danger of hell itself if they were to die in that state. I wonder how many people who have trusted Christ and profess to be forgiven by God are holding any degree of forg- are withholding any degree of forgiveness toward any other person in the world. It's food for thought to say the least. We'd better hope we are completely forgiven now and we are or a lot of people who profess to be believers are in reality in deep trouble. I guess <laughs> yep. I it's what I just said, but yep, it it's it's because I had read it already. Yeah. I just didn't realize. <laughs> what do you have next? Well, I have that the Bible says that the problem of sin has been completely dealt with dealt with by Christ's death on the cross. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the problem of sin has been completely dealt with by Christ's death on the cross, completely, totally dealt with. Paul wrote, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. I think you've already read this. He told the Colossian church, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Sins, Colossians one thirteen. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, 
It is the nature of the person who follows Jesus to acknowledge when we sin. The important thing is to realize that when we do, we should admit it before the Lord. We don't do it in order to be forgiven. We do it because we have been forgiven. Do you want to talk about 1 John 1, 9? Sure. Because I know that's it's something that brings up in this book, and I think that it's probably even more than the Lord's Prayer. I think it's one of the number one things that somebody would bring up when we're talking about why do we confess sin or what does confession mean yeah. and stuff like that. So, Because yeah, John, John says, if you say you have not sinned, you are not of Christ. Um, so you talked about context. Mm-hmm. Everything has to be in context. And in this story, there are three groups of people, the Gnostics, those who were with Christ, and the little children. Now, the apostles, are, he, John was one of the apostles. The Gnostics cha- taught that Jesus could not have walked on the earth because he's too perfect. Mm. And so the Gnostics believed that they could not sin, that they did not sin, and that they were above sin. And John said to the Gnostics, if you say you have no sin, then you are not of Christ. Mm-hmm. And he said to the little children, we are to not even have a consciousness of sin. The believers, he called the believers the saint, the little children. He wasn't, is not, does not talk to saints when he says, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Right, because we all know we had sin. That's why we came to Jesus. That's why we came to Jesus. <laughs> That's why it has nothing to do with believers and mm-hmm. everything to do with unbelievers and the Gnostics. Mm-hmm. That's the context of First John 1, 9. He came out of retirement. John came out of retirement to address this lie from the Gnostics. Mm. I guess we should read First John 1, 9 for people that don't know it. Uh, <laughs> I don't have my... It's right here. Oh, right there. Yeah, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and, and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's right. And we have. We do. Mm-hmm. We agree right. with God that our sins are forgiven. Yeah, But this is not a spiritual growth verse. It is not. This is not a get right every night, read through your list of sins verse. Yeah. It is. It is. If you confess, if you agree that your sins are forgiven. If you believe that. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, we've got a problem. <laughs> right. If you, if you don't believe that, we can prove to you through scripture yeah. that it is true. Right. Yeah, because they wanted to believe that they didn't have sin. Yeah. And Paul and John's like, um <laughs> this no. was not addressed to right. Christians. Yeah. I know this was the one that I mean I had this memorized since I was young. Oh, absolutely. And that's the one that was quoted to me, like, well, the Bible says that you got to confess your sins and he'll forgive you. So how many of our sins were in the future when Jesus died? How about all of them? <laughs> yeah. So God's like, okay. So at, and I've told people this. It's like, it's almost like what Jesus did, it got worse, mm-hmm. if, we, if you believe this, because... You know, in the Old Testament, you could, you know, you went and you sacrificed and you were good for a while, mm-hmm. for a period of time. 
But then now, if you believe like this, what if you believe that we have to confess to be forgiven, continual confession to be continually forgiven, then it got worse because now we got to confess moment by moment or we might die and go to hell. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so the gospel got worse? Like, that doesn't make sense. It can, that belief, to, to believe that what John is saying is applicable to Christians says that what Jesus did didn't work. Right. That the cross didn't work. He is not talking to Christians when he says that. He's not. Or about Christians, he may be explaining this to the Christians that this is why he's here to address this issue. But it's not about you; it's about them. Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is read the verses before and after, and yes. you get the context. Yes. Yeah. And it's sad that that one's been used as a hammer so much. Yep. It makes me mad. <laughs> it makes me mad too. But you know, God still uses the things we disagree with to impact people. Well, and I mean, it's not to demonize the people that believe that because a lot of the most sincere people are the ones that make lists and stuff. But that's not going to get you forgiveness. It's just going to make you miserable. And let's wrap this up. Confessing your sins will bring an experiential awareness of forgiveness. But it isn't confession that brings forgiveness. The work of Jesus Christ on the cross did that. If you believe you have to consist, constantly ask God to forgive your sins, you're believing a lie that will keep you in bondage. You will be self-conscious all the time. But if you believe what the New Testament teaches, that all of your sins have been forgiven, wiped out, and carried away by the finished work of Christ, you will live focused on Christ, on Jesus Christ, and the truth that you already, (laughs) that you're already 100% totally forgiven. And that is the truth that will set you free. Yeah, so we're not minimizing sin. We're celebrating what Jesus did. We're celebrating what Jesus did. Let it go. Live in the freedom. Yep, it's good. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, call Clint. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not putting my cell phone number down. (laughs) Thank Um, you, guys. We'll see you next week. Next week.